A remarkable phenomenon Wednesday afternoon after the Federal Reserve comments came out, and maybe more importantly during the news conference from the chairman, Jay Powell's lips moved and the stock market went up. We don't see that very often, especially when he's as hawkish as he appeared to be. Dr. David Kelly is the chief global strategist for J.P. Morgan Asset Management and joins us right now. Good to have you with us. Glad to be here. So were you surprised by this reaction? I mean, he's, he's doubling the amount of the tapering, so backing off from quantitative easing faster and, and a clear signal they're going to raise interest rates a little more aggressively next year. Well, that's right. But I think I think that was really expected. I mean, I was looking at, you know, our forecasts for where the economy would be, where unemployment would be, where inflation would be. And, you know, the Federal Reserve has moved very much in line with what we've seen and what other economists have seen. So they recognize that that it is a stronger economy with higher inflation. Uh, and we all knew that they were going to um, accelerate the taper. The Federal Reserve had telegraphed that. And we also thought we knew that they were going to propose more interest rate hikes next next year. So um, so this is really pretty much as expected. As you know, the market tends to react off things that are different from expectations rather than the expectations themselves. So maybe the fact, maybe it wasn't, maybe they had discounted something more draconian than happened. Well, that could be, that's one way of looking at it. The other way of looking at it is interest rates are still really low. I mean, if nothing bad happens, this is, this is an incredible environment in which to borrow money at essentially zero and invest in whatever you want. So we, we've had this excess liquidity for a long time. The Federal Reserve is saying, well, yes, we may gradually take it away, but we're still talking about a lot of excess liquidity out, uh, out here. And even if, if the Federal Reserve increases interest rates six times over the next two years, which is what they're, they're talking about, we'll still have short-term interest rates, which are less than the rate of inflation. So it's still very easy money, and I think that that is pushing money towards the stock market. Are, are they on top of inflation? I, I was always taught that once you actually saw inflation, it was really too late to do something about it, that, that it was sort of out of the, you know, out of the toothpaste out of the tube. Well, I, to be honest, I don't really think the Federal Reserve is responsible for the current bout of inflation. I think that has a lot to do with these one-time checks that the government issued, uh, a lot of uh, enhanced unemployment benefits for, for gig workers and so forth. I mean, the federal government's been pouring money into the economy. We know that there have been supply bottlenecks and shortages. So you give lots of people lots of money, but there's no way for them to buy stuff. The price of that stuff goes up. That's really what's been going on. I mean, the, the Federal Reserve has had low interest rates for a very long time. It didn't cause inflation in the last decade, but it is causing inflation today because so many households have money, but they but they really are finding it hard to find the stuff they want to buy. So I don't think the Federal Reserve is causing inflation. I think inflation will ease off. Um, so to that extent, you know, I don't really think the Fed is necessarily behind the curve on inflation, but there are some other serious problems with keeping rates this low that long. Well, it, it seems like there are two or three elements to inflation. On the one hand, wage inflation. We've seen that. I mean, there's a worker shortage and, and, and there's not a day goes by. We don't see somebody who's raising the hourly wage to 15 mm -hmm. or 17 or 20 or whatever. And you're not going to be able to take that away. I mean, you can't give somebody money like that and come back six months later and say, oh, well, you really don't need that. I mean, but so that that would seem like inflation that stays around, whereas the supply chain shortages I mean, we're going to catch up with that. In fact, some people are talking about deflation once they start producing and being able to deliver the goods. Well, well, that's right. And, and you know, on that second point, I mean, it really reminds me of oil prices. You know, and, and uh, uh, you know, if oil prices get really, really high, 
you know, it's, it's kind of hard to turn the spigot on, but once you turn the spigot on, it's pretty hard to turn the spigot off. And very often when you've got a year of very high oil prices followed by a year of very low oil prices. I mean, how do we know that they don't, you know, instead of, you know, they, it, everybody doesn't build up their inventories now just to make sure they're never found short again. And that actually puts downward pressure on prices. So I think there is the potential for some elements of deflation down the road. And even on wage growth, yes, when you've got a very strong labor market right now, workers are for once in the driver's seat. But if, you know, if things slow down a bit over the next uh, year or two and businesses, uh, businesses may be able to ease off a little bit in these wage increases. So I don't think this is 1970s inflation by any means. When we started this whole mess, the pandemic was clearly in the driver's seat. I mean, there was an effort yeah. to, you know, to jumpstart the economy or keep it going through the pandemic. Is the pandemic still in the driver's seat at all on this? I think it's fading in its effects. It's, you know, obviously, we've got the Omicron variant, and, and uh, Chairman Powell talked about that today. But what's happened is we've kind of adapted to this. You know, it's not, it's not just the, 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 the virus that's mutating. We're actually mutating. And we're, we've, you know, a large chunk of the population have just gone back to business as usual. Uh, a smaller chunk of the population is very COVID cautious. But they've all, you know, they've all learned how to adapt to participate in the economy in this fashion. So I think COVID is having less and less of an impact, uh, impact on the economy. It's less and less of a drag uh, on the economy than it was, you know, uh, over the last two years. But, you know, that uh, to some degree echoes something I heard the chairman say at his news conference today. And that is you, we're not going back to the same economy that we were in prior to the mm-hmm. pandemic. I mean, there, there are changes that, are, that, are gonna, that have taken place. Well, that's right. And I think that's, that's profoundly true. There's a very old saying that a man never steps in the same river twice because it's not the same river and it's not the same man. And I think that's more true of the, the post-pandemic era than you know, of anything I've seen in economics. It is a fundamentally different economy. But also, we've seen huge gains in wealth. We've seen people reprioritize how they feel about work and their home lives, reprioritize about how, how they want to work going forward. So it's a very different economy. And I think the Fed, like everybody else, is just sort of feeling the ways to try and figure out the contours of this new environment. I, this is one of those times when I'm so glad you have the dual discipline of, you know, being a global strategist for J.P. Morgan, but also being a really good economist. So let me ask you this. Let me ask you the political question. Maybe it's a political question. The Build Back Better program. There, there is a suggestion that this comes along at a time that you really don't need something that might stimulate inflation even more than it's already stimulated. I think that's a fair point. I would I would say though also that in in terms of its scale, it is far far smaller than what we've done so far. In the last eighteen months, uh, we put in uh, five point three trillion dollars of stimulus um, over spent over the course of eighteen months. And now this this Build Back Better plan, it's about two trillion dollars paid for with higher taxes, although. The taxes come, you know, more more uh, down down the road, but still, it's it's about two trillion dollars spaced out over ten years. So uh, it would add about two hundred billion dollars to the deficit this year, and it's a fair point that that maybe that stimulus this economy doesn't need. So I think that is a fair point, but it's important to keep it in perspective. It's it, the reason we have high inflation today is not the this program. It's partly because of all the government largesse over the last two years. Five point three trillion dollars. Uh, considering where we are right now and where we looked like we were going to be two years ago, I'd say it looks like money well spent. <laughs> well, it's, it's, it's certainly the economy has done 
surprisingly well through the pandemic, although the pandemic itself has, has, has obviously been terribly painful for everybody. Absolutely. Dr. David Kelly's chief global strategist for J.P. Morgan Asset Management. Thank you very much for the time, sir. Anytime, David. Thanks for more of our conversation. Go to KRLD.com slash CEO. I'm David Johnson, News Radio 1080 KRLD.